In this episode, Kid Shubit and a group of faith walkers reflect on how the Pharisees were more concerned about the rules rather than empathy and justice. The focus scriptures from Mark 6, 53-56 and Mark 7, 1-13. This conversation was recorded in February of 2024. Our mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. To learn more about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. Join the conversation. In our ongoing journey through the book of Mark, uh, we, we're kind of at a, just a little section at the end of Mark chapter 6. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of touch on it a little, but, but really want to get to the first part of Mark chapter 7. So at the end of chapter 6, uh, they, they, the, Jesus and the disciples kind of ended their journey, landed on the seashore. And of course, all the people recognized Jesus, the healer was here, and they rushed everybody that they, they, they could to, to the presence of Jesus. Uh, and even said, if all we do is touch the fringe of his robe, we'll be healed. And I, I love what the voice translation says, because it, it phrases it this way. Even people who touch only the fringe of his robe will, will be made whole again. Which is that idea that we talk all the time about in faith walking, that God's design is to restore us to wholeness in all of the places where we're, where we're broken, in all of the dimensions of our life. So after that, so, so recognize, they, they hit the beach. All the people say, oh, it's Jesus, the healer. Everybody goes and grabs everybody that's sick that they know. They're all on the beach. People are getting healed. And then some Pharisees and some religious leaders and some scribes from from Jerusalem have made their way out to Galilee. So recognize there's a significant uh, distance from Jerusalem to Galilee. It's not like just a half-day picnic. I mean, it's a long trip out to Galilee. And, and these scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders come out there to, uh, because they're curious about Jesus. Okay? And I... I my weird brain goes here with it. So imagine you get to, to, to see and meet Jesus, and you get to ask Jesus one question. What would your question be? You don't have to answer, but I want you to wonder about it. What would you ask Jesus? <laughs> so here's the part that just makes me smile. So the religious leaders, here was their question. Their question was, why is it that your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat? So, so there was a ceremonial piece to that, okay? And, 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 the, and in all of Judaism, everybody was taught, you wash your hands before you eat, and it's a ceremonial washing and cleansing. And evidently, the disciples didn't do that. Now, here's, here's another question. This is why my weird brain works. 
How did the Pharisees know that? How did they? Maybe we go all the way back to the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and when they fed the 5,000 on the side of the lake, they didn't have a chance to wash their hands, and they didn't wash their hands, and somebody reported it to somebody who reported it to somebody else who got it back to Jerusalem, and now the scribes and Pharisees are out, and here's this healer, this wonderful healer, that the flocks of people are flocking to him for healing, and the scribes and Pharisees want to know, why aren't your disciples washing their hands before they eat? That is just comical for me, but it also reminds me of how wrapped up we get in rules and regulations, how wrapped up we get in, well, that's not, you're not doing it the way it's supposed to be done. And and I just stop for a minute and think about how many people are all stirred up with anxiety right now in our culture because somebody's not doing it the way they think it ought to be done. Whatever that is, you're not doing it the right way. That's not the right thing. That's wrong. Uh, that's wrong. This is right. And, and they get locked into rules and regulations. Here's where I want to go with this. I want you to go all the way back. So remember in Mark chapter 6, Jesus had compassion on the people because they were sheep. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were, they were wandering aimlessly without direction. They were searching for something, and they didn't know what it was. And I, I, so I, here's what I'd like to do with us. I want you to think about the, the different groups of people that stepped up and said, oh, we'll lead. Here I am. They're, they're, they're like sheep with no shepherd. I'll lead, and here's the way I'm going to lead. And so, so there is anxious Herod who wants to lead. And he works for the, serves the Roman government, and, and he's anxious. He's anxious because he's afraid John the Baptist has come back to life. And the only and the way of Herod is is the way of conflict and violence. The way of Herod is the way of domination and control. And Jesus said, I believe, to the way of Herod. Okay, so let's go to option number three. Y'all remember the old let's make a deal show? Behind door number three. Behind door number three are, are the religious leaders, and the religious leaders are anxious. And what are they anxious about? They're anxious because for them, the way is the way of rules and regulations. It's, it's the way of obedience and compliance and control and strict discipline. That's the way, and that's where the, the – the, uh, uh, that's where the answers are. Theirs, so hear this, theirs was the way of uniformity. Everybody's got to think the same. Everybody's got to believe the same. And everybody's got to act the same. And the impact of that rules and regulation way is it robs people of freedom. And it robs them of life. 
So the Roman way wasn't the way. Making Jesus a Jewish king in the nationalistic way, that's not the way. And guess what? And the religious rules way, that's not the way either. And it's fascinating to me that 2,000 years ago, those three ways were offered as ways. And, and today, 2,000 years later, those ways are still being offered. There's the way of power, control, empire. Uh, let, let's just build a great nation. There's the way of nationalism and, oh, let's just, let's just do our thing with our people, our way, and that's the way. And then there's the religious way, and so many religious people get trapped in it. And in my first formation faith, that's the first formation faith I learned was a, was a religion of rules and regulations. And so Jesus then, coming back to the story, says to the scribes and Pharisees, he said, he says basically, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing and putting in my language, is you guys just don't get it again. You just, you, you aren't getting it. And, and then he quotes from Isaiah 29, verse 13, and which says, These people come near me with their mouth, and, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I really feel like I'm preaching a sermon today. And, and so, so hang with me, because I'm, I'm, I'm about to wrap this thing up. Uh, so what's the heart of God? How do I get in alignment with the heart of God? That's a great question, and here's where my mind immediately goes to. Because I, there, there are several passages throughout the Bible that are kind of summation, kind of wrap it up in one tight package. And Micah 6.8 is one of those over in the Old Testament. What does the Lord require of you? Three things. Love mercy. Act justly. Walk humbly with God. So power and control aren't the way. Nationalism, not the way. Religious rules, regulations, and everybody aligning and believing the same thing. Uniformity is not the way. What's the way? The way is the way of mercy. Mercy means to have empathy and compassion for the struggles of other people. So if I want my heart to align with God's heart, then I've got to have mercy. I've, I've got to learn how to have compassion and empathy for other people who are struggling. Love mercy. Act justly. That's more about this idea, and we, we've talked about it a lot, and it just because it, it shows up over and over in Scripture. Justice is about every person being treated right and fair uh but it's but it's it's about so mercy is about me having empathy and compassion for people who are struggling justice is about me being concerned that we have systems that do not oppress people and we have systems in place that aren't taking advantage of people or are dishonest and and cheating people that's justice and that's the heart of God. And then the final thing he says is, and walk humbly with God. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, we're called faith walking. 
right? So walk humbly with God is faith walking. It, it's, it's not about rules. I'm not even sure it's about having correct beliefs. It's about being in relationship with God and walking with God. Well, how do I do that? I, I think what I believe, and we talk about it in faith walking all the time, is that means I live a reflective life. I live, in, I, I live my life in a way where I'm inviting God to speak into me, and I'm giving room for God to speak to me, and I'm discerning the voice of God and God's invitation to join God on mission in the world is what we talk about in faith walking, right? Well, to walk humbly means that I'm walking, I'm listening, I'm living a life where I'm in tune with the heartbeat of God. So recognize I can know all of the Bible and not be walking with God. And then the, the other thing, so I, I think it's living a reflective life, but he also says walk humbly with God. Well, what does humility mean? I don't know everything it means, but here's what gets stirred when I think about it. It means uh, I'm not smug and arrogant and think I have all the answers. Right? I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not condescending and uh, yeah. Uh, it it means I don't have all the answers. And not only that, I probably don't even know the right questions to ask. You know, I'm I'm still asking questions like, why aren't the disciples washing their hands before they eat? Humility means, yeah, I don't even have the right questions to ask, Lord, but I'm walking humbly with you. I'm not smug, not pretentious, not condescending. And for me, once again, what's fascinating is, if we come back to Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about humility, being merciful, and pursuing justice. Consistency throughout Scripture that this is the heart of God. So I believe, group, y'all ready? I'm about to close it out. I can't, I can't yell or scream, but I'm closing. God's desire is that our lives reflect his heart. And what I often say, and I believe with all my heart, if you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. Because Jesus is what God is like if God took on human form. The way of Jesus is the way through our anxiety. So what's that way? So take on as guiding principles for our lives, loving mercy. And if we can't get past loving mercy, don't go any further. What do I need to do to be empathetic and compassionate toward people who are struggling and hurting in ways that I don't know? How can I get out of just my own little struggle and think about, yeah, how can I... How can I be a person? Second thing, am I concerned for justice for everybody? That's a guiding principle that I think reflects the heart of God. If we come back to the healing ministry of Jesus, what was Jesus about? He was about restoring wholeness. 
So if I align my heart with the heart of God, I'm for wholeness in all of its dimensions. Jesus, rather than these other ways, these leaderless ways, these sheep without shepherd ways, where the were were, were uh, bound people up and sucked the life out of them. The way of Jesus is liberating and life-giving. And I say this often, if it's sucking the life out of you, it's not the way of Jesus, which doesn't mean it's not hard. Sometimes it's hard, but even when it's hard, it's not sucking the life out of you. But if it's sucking life out of you, it's not the way of Jesus. And if it's binding you up in, in any way, it's not the way of Jesus. And so I think what Jesus said to those religious leaders was, your, your way is not the way. And you're missing the hard part. I would say to Christians today, you talk a ton about, oh, it's not rules and regulations. It's a relationship. Yeah. And that relationship isn't just that, oh, when I was nine years old, I invited Jesus into my heart to become my Lord and Savior. And, and I have a relationship. No. Am I in relationship today? It's an ongoing walking humbly with God every day listening for the discerning voice of God and aligning my life with the way of God, not the way of rules, not the way of power, not the way of reactivity to my anxiety. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm teasing. What's that stir up for you? What do you think about there? Quite a lot, actually, Ken. Um, Don't re-preach my sermon now, John. Come on. No, I'm not going to preach. I'll try, I'll try. I'll do my best not to. But this is very um, coincidental, and it's stirred up uh, quite a bit emotionally. I've got a lot of stuff going on at the moment myself personally, but one of the areas which I'm involved with is I've chosen to write to um, a young man in prison mm -hmm. and he's going to be in, he's been, he was, he's probably going to be in for about over, well, 27 years, a long, mm. long time. Mm. Awful. And he's committed an awful, a terrible, terrible crime. And I'm corresponding with him. And I've received a, uh, I'm still trying to process the letter and he was, he's effectively saying, I've, I've lost my faith. And he's gone, and he's talking about, um, he's gone on to, a, let's say, a comparative religion. But the point I, we, I wish to I want to make, Ken, is 110% of what you've just said there. And I'll, I'll try and paraphrase some of the stuff that he's saying here um, without without saying too much because please, it, it, please make it tight and short John I will he's Thank saying you. he's saying here um, in a nutshell I used to prioritize what was dogmatically or religiously correct over what was reasonably good for me you could and you would be absolutely right about it to a significant degree, 
uh, to argue that the moral precepts of, and he mentions a particular denomination, are mm -hmm. almost impossible to keep in daily life. Mm. Therefore, following them one for 100% is not very healthy. So you could be a good Christian, and he mentions certain denominations, and live a healthier life without that much to occupy your mind, etc. And here's a young man, he tried to do everything that he was mm -hmm. told to do yeah, religiously. Okay. Yeah. And he's just saying, I'm done with it. And yeah. I know that there's, you know, in the circles that I walk, there's so many people are done with church. Mm -hmm. They're still mm -hmm. Christians. They're still right. following the way, but right. they're done with conventional church. And they yeah. just want to, hey, I want to walk with Jesus, and I want mm -hmm. to walk with people of a similar mind and mm -hmm. cut all the the religious nonsense that's going on. But yeah. it just, I got the letter by email today uh, yeah. through the, the particular prison service. And what you said there, it just, it just, I'm not saying blew up, but it just, it just, it was just highlighted the whole thing about yeah. the religious pressure and nonsense that people put on, uh, on, on, uh, on for. And, and yeah. the, the control. Yeah. And and we do it so quickly and easily without even thinking, John. You know, it's, I don't think it's intentional. We're not intentionally trying to mess anybody up. We're trying. We want to help. And uh, yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you for that, sir. Thank you. Um, what this stirred up for me, a a lot of what John was saying. Um, but I keep thinking. You know, I think maybe part of the problem is that we as Christians don't experience the love for ourselves as much as we might need to. Because mm. um, in my experience, I've had a lot of people try to be empathetic. Um, but what it turns into is them telling me what I'm doing that's wrong and trying to mm. correct who I am. Yeah. And so I, I can, I don't, I mean, I'm choosing to do this. I don't go to church right now. And I'm choosing to spend my time with people who are genuinely empathetic and many of those people are not from church. Um, and and so that's where, and but instead of like being mad or angry at those people that make me feel judged, I'm trying to think, okay, well, when am I being, like I am guilty of that as well. Sure. And I think, so what I'm focusing on or what I'm trying to practice is like, how do I experience more love so I better understand it? Like loving myself, accepting myself. Um, and I'm hopeful that if I can experience more of God's love that I'll better understand it to be able to like, to, to show that to others. Right. Um, mm. And that kind of makes me sad. Instead of being mad, it makes me kind of sad maybe for some of those people that I've had bad experiences with that maybe they just don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe they haven't experienced that radical acceptance and unconditional love for themselves. Yeah. It doesn't make me want to hang out with them, but it makes me have more compassion for them. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Emily. Yeah. I have two things. Um, yeah. A, a good thing is when you talk about the Beatitudes, Ken, so my 11-year-old granddaughter has to learn the Beatitudes for her um, youth group. Mm -hmm. So I was helping her the other night and just asked her, you know, like for the meek, like, do you understand what that means? And 
I was asking her if she understood what every word means, because mm. then that helps, I think, the second part of it. You bet. And we really had an interesting conversation. It was really fun to do that with her. Um, my The second thing is I was driving to work this morning and I heard some horrible news on our regional mm. news updates, you know, and I was thinking, you know, these news people and, you know, it's, it's not their deal, but I'm like, you're just, you're just reading this sheet of paper and you just, that news has greatly impacted people that I know and have cared about that I had no idea was going on. And I started crying as I was driving and I thought, oh goodness, those poor parents, like, how do you, I mean, we're a small town, right? I mean, it's filled with gossip and people trying to show compassion, but like Emily said, judging. Um, I, I just wonder how the mom and dad, how they are even like walking out of their front door today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've been dealing with that thinking, how do you show mercy? Part of me was like, well, I have their emails from events I've helped us with. And maybe I just send an email and just say, my heart breaks for your family today, prayers. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just, I just can't get them off my mind today and how mm -hmm. awful it mm -hmm. has to be their day today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that with us, Alicia. Hmm. Powerful stuff. So, Ken, I'm, um, it brings to me what we were talking about a little bit the other week and something that I've been thinking about uh, a lot more because we were talking, you know, I've been really loving the idea of trying to see God as a person as much as God, right? So Jesus but as a human being and trying to kind of pull that down to earth as something I can relate to, even knowing God's, you know, way bigger than me, but just kind of trying to hold on to those things. And um, one of the things that I realized after we were talking about walking on water, and I was trying to like come up with some scientific reason for it, um, is that ideas with proof are knowledge. It's not, that's not faith. Faith, you don't have the proof. Right. And so the difference between this knowledge and data and faith, we're never going to, you know, at least in this lifetime that I can see, you know, no. Um, and the whole point of what I am going through right now, um, I think maybe what we're all going through is trying to seek something more knowing we're not going to get an answer. It's not going to be a definitive here you go. You know, there's not like a little notebook with checkboxes, uh, <laughs> but it's like trying to kind of just go, okay, let me, let me do the best I can, you know, and, and let me try to adapt and try to keep my mind open for other people like you guys um, are doing. And, uh, you know, just kind of letting go of proof, you know, because it's not about that. It's not about, you know, what does this sentence of the Bible say? What does that sentence of the Bible say? Cause I, I spent so much time trying to, or telling myself, you know, 
it's uh, God's big spaghetti monster or something, you know, that um, you can't prove it. And it's like, well, that's not about proving anything, you know, that's not, that's not my job. Um, so just kind of having that faith. And it sounds, it sounds to me like that's part of what um, he's talking about here too. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you, Jean. Yeah. Good. Heather. Um, for me, it almost makes it, Sorry, let me rewind. Um, it, and this is where we are in life right now. We have four kids. We have um, two cars that need replacing and we have, you know, the potential to have to move within the next year or two uh, from a house that needs a lot of work before we can put it on the market. Um, and my husband's a pastor and I just started grant writing from home maybe five hours a week you know at a at a starting rate so I'm not bringing home the bacon and and so thinking of the life that we are called to when we are called to live like Jesus it, it is so antithetical to what the world tells us we should do if I'm showing this release it's you know, uh, the world right now is like women and men are equal and everybody needs to be out there working and, you know, climb that corporate ladder and make all that money and buy the cars and all that. And, uh, and I'm not saying like any of those are wrong in and of themselves, but, um, you know, acknowledging that it's not where we are called to, um, I, I left a, you know, full-time job because I felt called to be with my family and to invest in my kids. Um, and that was me personally. And that's in a lot of ways, something we were fortunate to be able to like a decision we were fortunate to be able to make, but at the same time, like it has come with its own level of pressures, you know, as, and now we have kid, you know, a kid that's very aware of like, well, so-and-so's mom and dad has this car and, mm. you know, like, and so we've talked about, well, you know, some kids, are only children and their parents can give everything to them. And, and some people's parents have better jobs than others. And um, some people's uh, financial priorities are different. And, you know, like for instance, it's, it's never been difficult for me to tie, but now that we are on one income and it's not a large income, um, I don't know if people know this, but most preachers don't get into it for the money. Um, just, <laughs> You know. Really? Hey, what, what? I did. I don't know. Like some people think, you know, preachers make the big bucks, the eternal salvation of your soul. All the, no, no, they don't get into it for the money. Who would have thought? Really wish I would have known that when I married my husband. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> no, but uh, if he's still around, let's make sure he hears that. Yeah, no, he's got a headphone in, so <laughs> we're good. Um, no, uh, but but it's never been difficult to tie. That's always something I've, I've felt very firm about not not I don't know it's something like that that's been an easy way for me to live out my faith I've always trusted God and I still do trust God to provide but some days it's like you write that tithe because we, we're old school we still do the check and it's like oh but God like this money could really go for something else right now and like man that grocery bills are really getting up there with four kids and so it's like yeah like I'm just it just hearing you preach reminds me of just how anti-society 
living like Jesus and, and, and following God's heart. And, um, you know, and, and so like also reminds me of like, what are the ways that, you know, maybe I can't give money, but good gravy. Do we have a lot of diapers that my children have outgrown? Do we have a lot of clothes? And so we, you know, try to give those because so many of those were given to us. And so in some ways it's a reminder of like, you don't have to blend in with the world. In other ways, it's a reminder of like, hey, you know, you're you're on the right path with displaying generosity in the ways that you can. And just remember that like God has you. You can trust God, you know, mm-hmm. the the verses about lilies of the fields and the sparrows, that those all come to mind. And so um yeah, it's just it's a good reminder. Um very scary in some ways and just yeah like a reminder that oh yeah this is it's not easy like you said it's not easy and and that challenge can come in different forms for different people but yeah yeah thank you heather thank you yeah i identify with you and 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 yeah just figuring out the way of jesus and aligning with it you'd think would be simpler (laughs) but it's but it's not it's complex it doesn't solve all the problems, you know. We seem to make it complex anyway. Anybody else got a word for us? Question, a comment, a thought? Testimony. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great weekend. And I look forward to seeing you soon. For more information about faith walking, visit www faithwalking.com. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider donating today at faithwalking.com. Visit our site for more workshops and courses available online. Thank you for listening.